Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Johnson. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Team Building Podcast. We've got a phenomenal guest with us today. Karen Briscoe is here to share top agent secrets as well as her perspectives on every phase of working with, starting with, and uh, partnering and buying real estate teams. So we're going to go super deep on on what that's like from from every side of the coin, uh, and where we've got a, a you know a lot of stuff to get into with her. Uh, Karen is an author and a podcast host as well, and so I'm sure many of our audience might already be familiar with it uh, and with uh, with her podcast, with the book, and with Karen herself. And so we'll bring her in in just a second. Before we do, the uh, the man, the, the myth, the legend, one of my favorite people in the world, Jeff Cohn. What's up? Ah, oh, Matt Johnson. Great introduction today, and Karen, thank you again for being on our podcast. Uh, we're really intentional about building crazy value for our audience members. Um, I know a lot of people that run podcasts make it a lot about them. Uh, we really want to make it about you today, Karen. Um, and then anytime we have anything to add or interject, we are going to certainly do that. I also want to just kind of preface this with suggesting that it's always okay to have some healthy debate. So at any point where you disagree with us or we disagree with you, let's discuss why we disagree. So audience members can decide for themselves which side they're on. Um, I love the idea to talk about valuations of businesses. That's something that I have a lot of passion in. Um, and I'm also just excited to meet you finally. So thanks again for being on our show. Oh, thanks for having me. I mean, anybody who's a man, a myth, and a legend, I mean, I <laughs> I need to know you. <laughs> well, we're getting to know each other today. Let's go. do it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, so Karen, for those that aren't familiar with you, can you give you, uh, kind of give like a little 60 second bio on kind of where you're based at and what your team looks like right now? Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. metro area is where we are based at inside the Beltway. Maybe something you've heard before that terminology. Mm -hmm. The team is I am the rainmaker, the lead. My business partner, Lizzie Conroy, has been with me since 2009, and we have staff of transaction coordinator, office manager, and uh, office assistant. My husband joined the team about a year and a half ago after retiring from the uh, public policy trade association world and is now operations VP, just handles nice. a lot of details, which is been a great scenario for me and that it's freed up for the book and the podcast and the opportunities that that has brought forth. Mm -hmm. mm. Very cool. All right. So, uh, so the other, uh, other couple, like your partner and the other agents on, like on the team, what's, what's their role? Are, are they, are they specialized? Are they each doing, are they operating their own business within the team? Like how does that work? Yes. The, model that we use is what I call associate agents, and that is we offer the support, the marketing umbrella, the name ID. They work their own sphere and business. Now, we do have leads that we share, but as a general rule, everybody operates their own business inside of the umbrella of the HBC group with Keller Williams. And that came out of, I started out on a team as a buyer's agent, 
had people come to me about listing their house and wasn't confident or comfortable enough or the way the team structure was set up in actually being a listing agent. And yet I was the one with the relationship. And so I felt that the handoff wasn't as strong as it could or should have been. And when I find that when our agents handle the client relationships, then they have multiple opportunities. They have the opportunities to help them and buy and mm-hmm. list and sell. And that may not work for every team, but that is the structure that came out of that and has been effective for our team. Love it. How many agents do you guys have right now, Karen? And how many transactions will you do this year? So in addition to myself and my business partner, my husband is a licensed agent. And then I, but he isn't selling. He's mostly, mm-hmm. like I said, supporting. Then we have two other agents, one who is mostly commercial and land transactions because he's a builder and that's his forte. And then the other one is a traditional buyer and listing agent. We are on schedule to do about 70 million, which is pretty typical of us. And that's about a hundred transactions. Okay. Awesome. A year. Yep. Are you guys in a growth mode? And the average price point DC, if I remember right, is something like five or 600 K. Well, at, at 70 million divided by 100 is about 700,000. <laughs> the real estate up here, the dirt is, is you know, worth yeah. actually more than a lot of times the houses. So that's where we get, and we do, we have a number of builders that are in our portfolio. And so will it get involved in land transaction and then working with them on the sale of the new home? It's a segment of our market. It's not the entire market, but because we will do, condos, rentals, all the way up. But the, the sweet spot is about that 700000 to a million, which is our markets. Hmm. Um, kind of and and take us through, Karen, the, kind of the progression for you, because um, uh, you were you were on the team, then partner, and then bought and t- essentially took over the team, as I understand. I'd love to hear kind of the background on that and what, the, what your thought process was at those stages and why you kept moving up. And then we'll get into really the specifics of maybe buying a team and, ha- and how you thought that through. So I actually was mostly a mother at home. I'd done some part-time work, decided to reenter the workforce when my youngest was of an age where I felt like I could, you know, I had the ability to be gone. And I had done commercial real estate out of college with the Trammell Crow Company in Dallas, Texas. It was land development. And so when I decided to reenter the workforce, I actually went back into commercial and I was working for the Stahlbach Company, which is now owned by Jones Lang LaSalle, Roger Staubach, who is a famous football player, mm. and had the Nextel account. And I was doing the engineering warehouse and sales offices for them and found it to be the most boring thing on earth because once you've seen one, you've seen them all. Mm-hmm. And then if you'll remember what was going on in the early 2000s, tech bust and Nextel's technology, Staubach did not was not renewed on the contract, would have had to go work for Nextel. Nextel was in a bust, which there is no or very little money in disposition. So that led me to residential. I had my license. And when I entered the residential as a residential agent, I found that it brought for me key aspects to my or my strengths. And one is I'm very business oriented, financial, transactional systems. And yet I also have this heart and love for people. And I love the relationship side of it. Whereas 
in the commercial, there is relationships, but it's relationships on a business transaction business basis. Business. Yeah, since B2B, mm-hmm. yeah. and this was, and so I found it to be very rewarding and quickly became successful. Not sure if I was rookie of the year or anything, but was selling it. Let's let's pause quick. I want to know what's the special age where you can go off and uh, run a real estate business full time. How old was the child? I'm trying to ask because there's a lot okay. of listeners that are in your yes. same situation, right? Stay at home moms or stay at home dads who have a four year old, five year old, six year old. What's the time where you felt like like I'm just curious from a personal standpoint. What's that age where you were like, all right, it's time. I need to go make this my career now. Well, for me, it was when the youngest one was, I think, in late elementary school and my son was in middle school. But the interesting thing is, is I did not start working full time until my son left for college. And so when I tell people, you know, you could start at any time and you can be successful at any time. And to think that now you have to be proactive and, you know, staying current with you know, the technology and yep. trends. I mean, you, you can't just live in a vacuum and, and, and expect to be able to drop back into the workforce. But at the same time, it was, so the trajectory was I went into residential sales on a part-time basis. And yep. what I believe set me apart and was the reason why, one of the reasons why I was identified to become partners with Stu Huckabee, that is I did my only generation. I did not depend on the team to provide me leads. And yeah. as you know, anybody who can make it rain is going to be a valuable person on a team. And yeah. so that was a difference maker from what I was doing on the team and the other people. They were actually selling more, but what I was selling were the leads that I was generating, which turned out to be really key because the market, when it shifted, the predominant market of the Huckabee business was the upper brackets. Sphere of influence. And that's, oh, wow, yeah. that market really shifted. Slow down, yeah. Yes. So, so then, I was w- sat in w- place for having a stronger market because I was in a different segment. Yeah. So at what point did you decide you wanted to buy the team and how did that conversation go? Well, actually, they came to me. And again, yeah. the reason why they came to me was because I was contributing to the team in a way that the other people who were very successful and had been for quite some time weren't. And so they came to me. Now, I also had a personal relationship with them because we went to church together. So we had this, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. I don't think they would have picked me just because I went to church with them. Right. Because it really was. I you. was right. I mean, I there was a trust factor there. So the fear, the fear, the fear a lot of brokers and other potential team leaders have in acquiring a team is I think it's a lot harder to have personnel and agents, more importantly, stay with the organization if there's not, if it's the wrong culture fit. How were you and the Huckabees confident that those within the organization were going to be happy with you running the show? Well, I'd been a team member, so it wasn't like I was somebody they were bringing in from the outside. So I right. can't speak to that. But in that situation, I've been a team member. I'm not going to say that they all stuck around. I mean, <laughs> part of, part oh, of no, it was, of course not. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. So I mean, you know, I mean, if you think that, you know, I think it can happen. I think it also what contributed to the fact that they didn't stick around is the market was shifting so rapidly. So yeah. I became partners in '06, in '08. She had, she was ill, and that was the reason for the selling of the team. She passed away, and that was in September of 08, the same months as the financial markets crashed. So it was not like there was something, you know, great about being <laughs> in this position. I had to make some very, you know, decisions about the business in order to 
make it through the market shift. Yeah. And and so some of it was natural attrition and some of it was business decisions. And would I do it differently? I at the time everything that I decided to do, obviously this the team survived. The business survived. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary of the company. Holy cow. Her husband came back to celebrate. And so we're, you know, eight years, nine years later. Mm-hmm. But it was some tough decisions to get through that. Okay. Well, you're doing great now. Obviously, we're yes. at the top of a market, probably expecting to see another shift here in the next couple of years. I keep saying couple of years. I'm going to continue saying couple of years. It could be sooner than later. But um, what are some of the unique things you felt like you had to do, Karen, to help keep that team afloat in 2006 through 2010 when there was such a hard hit? The first thing was, you know, the classic red light, green light on expenses. So I just started putting a microphone. Um, scope or yeah. magnifying glass to yeah. all of the expenses and yeah. holding them accountable. The biggest cut was advertising. Mm-hmm. Again, the predominant market niche that she was operating in was the upper brackets, which is very expensive advertising. Mm-hmm. So, how was she advertising to that upper bracket? The glossy magazines. And yeah. it was a real epiphany, though, because I went out on a listing appointment pretty much, you know, pretty closely after. I had made the decision to cut this one glossy magazine. And when I told the seller that I would not be advertising in that magazine, he said, what's Elon? That's a local uh, glossy magazine. And I'm like, you don't even know what it is. Exactly. Spending $5,000 a month on something the market didn't yeah. even know what it yeah. was. So that was the first thing. Then people, because people is are part of the component, mm. I had to make some staffing changes there just wasn't the production to you know justify the number of amount of staff and there were some difficult decisions that was challenging most of the people that were um they they left the industry because you either gonna you know figure out how to make it work or you're gonna yeah so it was they they probably would have arrived at that decision i just accelerated Mm -hmm. it Moved the company. I was, we were with a regional brokerage, moved to Keller Williams, uh, which is, you know, at the time, National. 2009, it was not at the level it is now. It's half the, well, it was half the size it is now, but yeah, that probably. was, wow. that was a key move and then brought on a business partner. So the next year, recognizing the fact that I really didn't want to wait till the end of my life of my career to have a business partner. I saw the benefit of it. And Lizzie Conroy joined me in 2009. So it was a, a number of decisions. All of them, looking back, were the good and right decisions. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was what was presented with me. And they, you know, in, in retrospect, they, they worked. Mm-hmm. What percentage mm-hmm. currently you said you guys did about 100 transactions for 70 million, but you are in production. What percentage of those 100 transactions or volume were your sales? I am about 40 and percent and Lizzie is about 40 percent, which is the beautiful thing about having a productive business partner, because she now is up at my level, which is, you know, if we're looking yeah. at long term plans, yep. the long term plan would be for Lizzie to take over the company and we're not you know there yet because mm-hmm. i'm still enjoying selling real estate but it is it, it is a good to know that we have a succession plan already in mm-hmm. place 
Yep. So 80% of your business is coming from the two owners. Yes. Uh, yes. You're obviously running the rock star model, not the CEO model that Gary Keller talks about. If you don't mind me asking, why, why purchase a team and then run, I guess I don't know what you purchased it for, but why wouldn't you purchase a team and then run the rock star model? You could have just gone off on your own and started the rock star model. You I know, would think that if you were to purchase a team, it would be because it already had a lot of agents and admin staff and a network to, to buy into that was going to generate revenue to you. But it sounds like your big value add is that you're a go-getter, uh, you're a rock star, and you'd, you'd be successful anywhere. So She said that to me. Sue Huckabee said that to me. She said, you mm-hmm. could do this. In fact, yeah. when she I originally came on the team, she said, I'll either have you on my team or I will compete against you mm-hmm. in a couple of years. I already see that. So I was like, okay, if you can't beat them, join it, right? Or yeah. the other way around, join, right. get them to join you. Yeah. If Because, I mean, you know, it was a really good strategy on her part. For me, the opportunity, it, it, um, it was more like a hockey stick, right? So I, Yes, I'm confident I would have done it. I've yeah, absolutely, it. you would have. So let me let me challenge the, but, uh, the mindset. But I happened way faster, I believe, because okay. um, I think that I could have done it, but I see other people that did it that way, and I see their trajectory. And the other aspect is I still get referrals off of it. So right. she's been deceased since mm-hmm. 2008, and I just got a referral the other day oh, wow. from somebody that knew the Huckabee. So yep. there, there is still the name ID and we still have her name in the company name because of that. Yep. So for any of the audience members that haven't heard of the millionaire real estate agent, get out from under the rock and buy that book. I know Karen's going yes. to introduce us to her book as well. But Gary Keller back in, I think it was 03 or 04, wrote this book that's like the blueprint to how to build a successful team where you can ultimately exit that team. Same rule would apply to a broke if you were to build a brokerage where you get to be the CEO, you know, pulling the strings, running the business, but not having to work in the business as a full-time agent. Just to kind of challenge you on the mindset, Karen, why are you choosing to be 40% of your company's overall production versus kind of stepping more into a full-time CEO role while adding more agents and bringing value to them to teach them how to do all the great things that you already are proficient at. That is the long-term plan is to become the CEO method and having Lizzie Conroy as my business partner is part of that long-term plan because her business is continuing to grow. And so again, as the succession plan would follow that her business would then take over my business and then my business would, you know, be more of a, a either referral status or some mm-hmm. sort of buyout. And that's the long-term plan. Mm-hmm. I, I still make more money selling houses. So there is a economic <laughs> aspect to this yeah. and I still enjoy it. Yeah. The, the good news is, or the, is that I have it in place for making that transition mm-hmm. at whatever yeah. point that I want to, instead well, of waiting you, and, until yeah. Something happens, and then and I, you know the you know. seat you enjoy. You know, I love the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. We'll talk about making sure you're in the right seat. And if you know you love being an agent, then hire someone else to be the CEO. Or if you love accounting, you know, maybe you do operations and hire someone else to be the visionary. And that's okay. It's great that you know your seat and the position that you enjoy. And the Look, paradigm shift for me was when my husband joined. At the time, I was, I have to say, resistant about the, that model because even though it's very common i was i enjoyed us having separate lives and his career and what where it took us with public policy and in the trade association world it has changed things in my life though because it it, having him in the back 
supporting is a completely different position and it is freed up. So I, I, I would say he's doing the CEO function and I'm doing the things that I enjoy. So I'm setting up the life in the world that I want to be operating in. And I think that's, that's for awesome. me, the definition of success, right? So Absolutely. I'm operating at my highest and best use. Everybody else is operating at their highest and best use. At the same time, we do have a vision with a long-range plan. Sure. So for our audience members, most of them, I would say, are in your same situation where they're still selling and they have a highly successful team. I mean, 100 plus deals and 70 million. That's that's incredible. You guys are doing an incredible mm-hmm. job. And nobody, you know, everybody looks up to that. Where would you say, though, yeah. some of your unique strategies are in client acquisition, um, sphere of influence, engagement? Do you have anything you feel like that's un, you know, non-traditional in your approach to sell real estate? We have a charity event, a charity arm that we started five years ago. I actually was talking about what, with one of the sponsors last night. When we started the charity, it was we wanted to be able to have social events with our clients. But I was like, well, I'm not an event planner. And I don't want to like get into this situation where I'm having to throw a party every quarter or whatever. But if we had a charity event and they came to the charity event, then we could all win because the charity will get money and we can reach into those the charity and have them share the event with their sphere. And it could become a great marketing opportunity as well. We send out to the newspapers or the media Mm -hmm. and we also um, have a a pretty strong database so we've been doing this for five years and have you know earned business and received business off it which has been fantastic but we have a a new opportunity that really just came to our attention and that is i don't know if you've heard of reevaluate but it's a data mining predictive analytics program that uses your own database, your own leads, and mm-hmm. runs it through, you know, big data right. and gives you a move score. And we've been keeping mm-hmm. all of these emails and all this data from all these people that have come to all these charity events going, okay, wow. why are we keeping all this information? I Okay, someday it'll become clear. Well, it has become clear yeah. because the people that we are getting these indicators for i mean we know our sphere and we have a pretty good sense of their you know move likelihood mm-hmm. and trajectory and you know yep. we stay in contact with them these folks are like you know the next ring out right so right. your close sphere and then your next ring out or maybe yep. the next ring out so they're like we've met them they recognize our name they know us but they're not like gonna like right. think you know probably immediately do you mind me asking connection. how many people uh, about do you have on that list? This is five years worth of charity events, and you have a list of all their names, maybe addresses, but at yes. least email addresses, right? Oh, we have names, email addresses, and their so physical addresses. Re- reevaluate will help use predictable analytics to decide out of that group who are the best people to market to. What have you done up to this point to engage with that group and offer them value from a real estate team standpoint? Well, up until now, we've been keeping the list as pretty much the what we call the charities list. We've been keeping it um, clean, if you will, and that's one reason why I think we get their information is because we say, "No, we're not going to, you know, <laughs> spam you. All you're going to get is information about the charity events." Wow. What um, that is done, though, is it they'll we do a drawing. That's how we get them to fill out the information. So okay. what that's done is it's it's given us really good data. 
this data now is going through the predictive analytics and we started with 2000 in this list. And the beautiful thing is, is the, that is creating an entirely new source of business that Again, when we started this charity Untapped. event, we're like, okay, we're, we're going to get back to the community. We're yeah. good community stewards. We use that whole scripting when we're on appointments yeah. and, and you know, lead generating and meeting with prospects or our sphere. We did not anticipate this. And I would just say, you know, some of the things that you may do, you may not know the future benefits of. Yeah. And there's a... A, and I've had this happen with me with the book and the podcast. I anticipated that I would be connecting with a lot of professionals in the business, real estate, ancillary industries, and that kind of thing. One thing I did not anticipate, I guess I should have, was the referrals. So, you know, the mm-hmm. Washington, yep. D.C. metro area has 250 people that move here every day from somewhere mm-hmm. else. Wow. So those people, those agents that are working with those people – are thinking, oh, okay, I know somebody in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I can, yeah. Northern Virginia, I can refer them to. That That is a positive, unintended consequence sure, or sure. opportunity. So ch- that- charity, I love that you brought that up. My team actually started doing that intentionally for three reasons. One, and the reason we first thought we were doing it was to recruit. We found that by having recruiting events every month, it was really hard to get people to come out to them. And so instead of doing a recruiting event, we just had a charity event and we made it really cool. And if there was money left over for the charity, obviously that was a huge plus, and there always has been. We also ask people to bring donations, non-monetary donations, like a back-to-school event with school supplies. Uh, we have an event tomorrow. We have over a thousand people registered for it for the Humane Society. Where we're raising, you know, pet food, le- you know, leashes for pets, um, blankets, and all sorts of things like that. But what's neat is the team and the communities come together, and like you mentioned, we have that database. And one of the challenges and the reason I'm bringing this up is it's hard to know how do we engage with that list without making them feel like we're spamming them. I think there has to be an understanding that your real estate organization and mine is is representing this event, is, I guess, hosting the event. And that I think it is appropriate for us to be able to communicate with that list maybe every quarter, even every month, especially if they've entered into a drawing or something like that. We just need to make sure the way we communicate is value add to them. And so one of the things we started six years ago as we partnered up with a local company who now is a headquartered out of San Diego called Viral Marketing. Their website's getviral.com. And for only like $525 a month, we create two videos, quick little 60-second videos. You could do it on a, like this setting. And then they write a really professional article. So one area I could see, Karen, for you guys, just as a suggestion, I don't know if you've thought of this, is you could create videos just for the charity group and talk about the next upcoming charity and the amazing things your team's been doing. And then at the very end for five seconds, and if you know anyone in the area thinking about buying or selling, we'd love the opportunity to represent them so that we can have more events like this one. And I think that, that you have an awesome market. What's neat about those charity events is you can really define the type of people you want to have in the list by charging an interest. Oh, absolutely. Well, we do it by which charities we support. So our format is a dinner and we have sponsors. So 70% of the dinner, anything you spend goes to the charity. It's so low, you know, maintenance. It's very easy. We just show up, we meet and greet, we have them fill out the forms. And because they are pushing it out to their list, then they're bringing people in. I, that's where it's, you know, constantly being fed with with more um, yep. you know injected yep. but we we are hyper local 
going with the charities and social organizations and the events that we want to be in relationship with those people. And it has truly, you know, built on itself yeah. in a similar format. But you, you when you're at a, an event, a charity event, real estate conversations happen. Oh, yeah. Because everybody wants to know about the market, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so it's the first thing, you know, I always ask is, well, where do you live? And yep. then we get to talk about where they live and what's going on and mm-hmm. how can we help. I think a lot of people, a lot of agents especially, are reluctant to want to run charity events because they think they have to do it all start to finish. One thing Karen pointed out, and we piggyback on this same mindset, is partner with someone who's already running a charity. Become an additional sponsor. It's your event still. You're just one of five sponsors or 10 sponsors for that particular event. And to her point, they might now share their entire charity list with you that, that you could then in turn advertise to, obviously, with permission. And But at least you can now connect with your own network of people, your own brokerage. Like KW, you could invite other agents at KW to help support it. I'm sure that would be a way where you could recruit agents and create goodwill for yourself in your marketplace. So that's fascinating. Let's not forget the book. Karen, why don't you share yes. with our audience members about the book, how you cho- why you chose to write it, and where the value is in that book should someone choose to pick it up and how they can buy a copy of it. Okay. Well, the book is Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. And it is Secrets of a Top Agent Revealed, which came out of the fact that when oftentimes when people become successful, everybody wants to know how you did it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would share stories. I did training, coaching, and the stories really resonated. Been writing a blog since 2009 and had pretty high wow. rankings. What I'd found was traditional books, real estate included. I think that the profile of a real estate agent is that they're um, very often a uh, succumb to what I call the squirrel or the shiny object. They don't actually finish the book because they start the book, but they don't have time to read the book. So I was like, well, can you read five minutes a day for your personal and business development? And really, everybody said, of course, they could do five minutes a day. It turns out to be even more impactful five minutes a day because focusing on one thing a day I'm sure you've heard that before. One thing, yep. one thing yep. a day and putting it into action, you're more likely to remember it and you're more likely to remember it when you when you need that tip or technique yeah. or strategy. So, did so you write you wrote the book <laughs> intentionally knowing that the reader was only going to read about five minutes. So does that break into like 50 chapters or how did you do that? Ah, 365. Seriously, a daily reader. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, cool. there's 365 of them. So there's one for every day. And because the real estate business often mirrors, you know, the calendar, like spring yeah. topics are different than fall right. topics. And so you have that built in naturally. And it's a combination of inspiration and information, which is transformational, like Yep. You know, it's like peanut butter and chocolate, right? It becomes transformational because a lot of real estate books or business books, they're very information heavy. Right. They're not likely to be something you're going to remember because you're not inspired to remember. It doesn't change your behavior. This right. actually, what I found is the people who are reading real estate success in five minutes a day are achieving at a higher level because habit, habit is really way more powerful um your habits will determine your future uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know there's there's quotes to that effect that i aristotle said you know it's not an act excellence is not an act it's a habit so it sets up the habit of success well, sounds amazing you know it's great too christmas is right around the corner for absolutely. everybody listening well, that doesn't know what to do for your team how much does the book cost and where can we buy it 
So if you want bulk sales, which is if you're buying it for a team, please contact me on my website, 5-Minute Success, the number 5-Minute Success, or reach out to me on Facebook and and uh, message me. There's a 5-Minute Success Facebook page and group, so you can reach out there because that's the other thing that I discovered in writing the book is everybody's reading the same day, the same page following the calendar. And so the ahas and the takeaways and the tips are being shared from other agents and people in other industries. A lot of lenders, a lot of title companies. I love the idea, especially for your high D, which Matt Johnson and I think both share a 99 in that category. Uh, A five minute read. I can handle that. Maybe even a five minute listen on 2.0. I can handle that. But to have to sit down for an hour and in the evening, that's probably just not going to happen. So I think you were very smart in the way you did that. I'm I'm envious of you writing the book. Um, I've wanted, and Matt and I have a few great ideas regarding a book. Um, Just to ask about the process, how long did that take you? And did you, who did you, do you have any shout outs as to who you'd recommend we use in the future if we were to go down that road? Well, I did because Amazon offers the opportunity. I did do a more of a self-publishing type of, of direction on it. It took nine months, which, you know, is a kind of a birthing process there. I didn't intend for it to take nine months, but that's what it took from conception to birth. And so my book baby, right. How was this? I want to know how it was conceived. I don't know if I've ever gone this route of phone conversation or in the podcast. Okay. So the book was was conceived. I mean, honestly, you know, you're a little crazy. Like most people, like I bet if you go back to high school, you weren't like, I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to be a, you know, a top author and lead and inspire the nation. I mean, that's, it's a pretty neat feat that you chose to take that on. So how was it conceived, Karen? And we'll probably have to wrap there more, don't we, Matt? We're getting, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a, an epiphany that happened. I had been talking about writing a book. A lot of people said I should write a book and, you know, like you. And I realized that the only person stopping me from writing my book was me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, is that a limiting belief? Because, you know, really, truly, everybody has the same amount of time in a day, right? So if you want to accomplish anything, you can. I use a couple of strategies that are actually turned out to be many authors do. And that is I got up an hour early in the morning and I gave that first hour to the writing of the book. Awesome. And Good. that once I, you know, hit the momentum, I the other epiphany that I had was, there's a book called Big Magic written by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she talks about how the universe has all these ideas and the idea, you know, will come to someone. And then that person gets to choose whether they're going to be the one that's going to bring that idea into fruition into mm-hmm. into the world. And if they don't, if the idea's time has come, which I felt mine was, that it would be done by someone else. And that mm-hmm. hit me like, wow. oh, my gosh, I, like I have this idea. And I am going to be the one that brings it to the world. And if, if I can do it, you can do it too. Awesome. I appreciate that. That's great, guys. So be sure if you've listened to this and um, you're exp- excited to be inspired and you want some thought-provoking ideas, go pick up Karen's book. Um, and you can reach out directly to her, and I'm sure you can find it on Amazon as well if you're just going to be buying one copy. Yes, yes, also, Amazon. I know for anyone that does Amazon sales, I'm sure she'd love a review, a five-star review, Absolutely. and a quick paragraph about how the book changed your life. We also would love a review if you found this uh, podcast and or our other podcasts beneficial to you and your business Please go out to iTunes. Uh, we're on Stitcher and YouTube as well, but iTunes is where we want to see the most amount of reviews. I would like to see us at 50 before the end of the year. I think we're doing pretty well there. I'm seeing a couple come in a week. So give us a five star and give Karen a shout out for you know being on the podcast. It's a 
big sacrifice for someone as busy as her to jump on with us. And we've really appreciated being on our show today, Karen. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I mentioned as well, I think, about the Five Minute Success podcast. So the beautiful Mm -hmm. thing about that is you're going to hear from many other top producing agents and ancillary industries and and professionals that are achieving at a high level. So stay tuned here as well. Maybe I could jump on that sometime. I think we should do that. (laughs) That would be awesome. It'd be our (laughs) pleasure to do that. Also, I want to remind our audience, if you are listening to this live or the broadcast comes to you here in the next couple of weeks, um, the recorded broadcast, we are offering a 50% off discount to our December 11th Omaha's or Elite Real Estate Systems team building workshop. So normally it's like $3,000 to attend. This event coming up is only going to be $1,497. And for Karen, if you want to attend any upcoming workshops, you get to come for free. So wow. anyone we bring and on this our show, is in, this is in Omaha, this is, Nebraska. It's not warm in December. Hence the reason we're doing a 50% off discount. But you can come anytime if you want to time it for next summer during the College World Series or whenever you'd like to come out. It's going to be free for you for you know, dedicating this time to our audience and we would like, love to host you here. So for anyone thinking about joining or coming along to that, please go find the dates, the upcoming January, February dates as well at jeffsworkshop.com. Johnson, anything else for us before we wrap? No, I think that's it. We got a chance to uh, to, to make sure that people know exactly where to connect with Karen at 5 Karen, Great job with your business. Keep on continuing to succeed. And anytime there's anything we can do for you, please feel free to reach out. And that's here's fine. to your success. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week on the Team Building Podcast. 